0: From the studios of Teeing It Up in the of, jersey, this is Teeing It Up with John Machine. It's Saturday, December 29th, 2018. Uh, we've had some major podcasts lately. Quinnipiac Men's Basketball Coach Baker Dunleavy, USGA Rules Official Joe Foley, um, a recap of 2018 in two ways from, from uh, Golf Channel's Brentley Romine and Golf Digest's Stephen Hennessy. We've done a lot of big Teeing It Ups lately. And I wanted to end the year on something fun and something more relaxed, and also cross off something that has been a gaping hole ever since I had Chris Thompson on, because that meant that the last member of the Jordan Brickman, Chris Thompson roommate trio had not been on teeing it up, and we needed to rectify that problem immediately. So I welcome finally to this show Noah Portes Jakin. Welcome, Noah. I'm so glad to be this. That is a
1: that's a, I, ai do not deserve that sort of introduction. Um, <laughs> uh, thanks
0: for having me. John. I, I just wanted to do something fun to end the year just because I've had a prep for way too many podcasts lately and I wanted one where I could just flow through it and see what came to me.
1: Um, sounds like you, uh, it sounds like you have some big golf names coming on. That's really impressive. Yes, Very
0: cool. um, and I continue to thank the USGA uh, for their kindness. That's the fourth time we've, we've gotten a USGA official on the show for whatever reason. And, uh, um, if you do anything about golf. Uh, who's
1: this Tiger Woods
0: guy? <laughs> well, you'll be seeing more of Tiger in 2019. Um, I'll, oh, I'll okay. say that much. Um, all right, you have been... In 2018, to Dallas, Austin, Peru, Italy, and Spain, what was the one city, the one part of a city, the one place that you now look back and go, why did we waste our time going there?
1: No, I was, was, as you asked that question, I was mentally going through all the cities I've been to and uh, trying to figure out what city captured me the most. Um, what city did I just do? like. Why did we go
0: there? Yes, um, like like you had heard about it, and it was this great thing, and you got there, and it's like, why do we just waste our time going here? Because that happens on every trip. Uh, well, how
1: about that? Let me, so, I, this is a scary question because people are going to hear this and feel like I've barraged either their favorite city <laughs> or. There, uh, maybe even a place they're from, um, maybe somewhere where they had their honeymoon. Something to tread lightly here. Okay. Will, excuse me, um, but I will tell you about a um, a city that I actually visit relatively often. That I went to a couple of times this year. That I just cannot stand, um, and that is San Francisco. I guess I didn't mention that on the outset, um, but uh, you know, my career brings me to San Francisco occasionally. I visited. A few times, and there's something about San Francisco that uh, does not sit well with me. It could be the, you know, obvious income disparities that are like they're very, very obvious. If you walk down even some of the uh, what are considered, I guess, the nicer uh, areas in San Francisco, Uh, the weather is frustratingly mundane. It doesn't really. It feels like it hovers around like between 50 and 70 degrees all the time. Um, which sounds nice, right? But it's, uh, you know, maybe I'm used to New York and the, you know, volatility of the weather. Um, But uh, that's something that has always, uh, has never really thrilled me about San Francisco. Um, And uh, maybe it's also the, uh, the, you know, I I work in technology. I'm a software engineer. And um, I I enjoy that New York has this sort of, uh, you know, as a mix, Different industries. It's you know that we also have the, some of the same sort of uh, wealth disparity issues here in New York, uh, where you know it seems like uh, there are new, really expensive buildings going up everywhere, and it's a more, more a less less accessible city for you know the middle class. Um, but uh, you know, New York does have a really interesting variety of industry. Um, it seems like San Francisco is very much overwhelmed by uh, the technocrats, uh, That, like myself, <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know if I'd really fit there. Um, it's a city I really thought um, a lot about living in, particularly because there are so many opportunities for me and um, what I do. Um, but I'd, I don't know. I don't know where I'd really fit. Um, uh, there's just so I, I wouldn't stand, I, I feel like I stand out a little more in New York um, than I would in San Francisco um, not that I'm you know exceptional or anything but um, you know I think that you know uh, yeah San Francisco is always great to be the wrong way um,
0: <laughs> um, uh, or yeah so yeah so San Francisco City, I visited twice this year, and I'm not, it's not my uh, favorite city. Does that answer your question? Yes, and what's interesting, Noah, is you talk about the income um, <clears throat> excuse me, income disparity. you probably heard about this once or twice while there. Proposition C, which is on the ballot there for Election Day, which is this revolutionary idea to tax businesses um, basically... Tax businesses at a point one seven five or two point six nine percent on on uh, um, gross receipts for businesses who make over fifty million dollars in annual receipts, or a one and a half percent of payroll expenses for certain businesses with one billion dollars in gross annual receipts, to fund the homelessness. Um, um, measures to help to help curb the number of people on the street. And it's this revolutionary... Wait, I know like,
1: that Jack Dorsey
0: has spoken out about this. Yep, and the head of Salesforce I'm has, has to too. Know, yeah, and that passed 6139 um, and, and became law. And it's this revolutionary measure to basically tax the richest companies to help curb homelessness. Now, to that point, uh, San Francisco is taking measures to curb what is very obvious on the streets. You actually mentioned something there, which is interesting. You are a software engineer, and you, being a New Yorker, take the subway all the time. What is your take? Because the the source information I have on you, I've talked to multiple sources who requested to who, who requested to, to remain anonymous, said that you love your hot takes. What is your hot take on the New York City subway system?
1: I I don't think that. They- uh, I, I I definitely want to know who your sources are, but they're 100% correct. Um, uh, the New York City subway system, I don't think it's, it's a hot take to say that it's grossly mismanaged, and clearly grossly mismanaged. Nobody wants to assume leadership of the a. I, I mean, uh, I remember uh, when uh, uh, in this, uh, there's a big, a big thing about the FTA, a big part of the political dynamic is this, uh, Disagreement between the governor Cuomo and uh the mayor of New York uh, Bill de Blasio about who is responsible for the MTA um, and uh i think uh frankly i don't care um, it's really it's clearly uh it's really closely mismanaged. Um, it's uh it's we are lag clearly lag behind a lot of the other major uh major cities with you know, with subway, with with uh, transportation systems like the subway, um, we lag behind a lot of major cities. I don't have numbers in front of me, but uh, yeah, it's not good. There's a great New York Times uh, article about this. It came out earlier this year about uh, sort of the differences in delays and speed and efficiency um, between New York and several other major cities. Um, I really appreciate the New York City subway, um, for sure. Um, I think uh, the fact that it runs all the time uh, when it's working um, <laughs> is unlike most other places I've been to. Um, I think that uh, it's... Uh, I, I mean, I'm a, one reason that I will no longer live in Williamsburg um, is that the L train, because of, you know, it sounds like because of you know, damages that were incurred by a major hurricane in New York. Um, Will the L train, that is sort of the lifeline for this area, um, is shutting down for a year and a half. So um, a year and a half says the MTA. We'll see. Sounds like uh, I I don't know who's betting on the MTA meeting a deadline. Um, But I I don't really, yeah, to answer your question, I don't really have any hot takes on the MTA. Uh, I mean, I think I take sort of like everyone else's or, you know, people that live in New York and use MTA regularly, um, particularly the subways, uh, it is annoying and inefficient and it sounds like nobody wants people, nobody wants to spend any money to fix it. So, um, and so, I mean, it's obviously a huge endeavor to fix something like the MTA or to, um, to not only a fiscal or a monetary that like it, not only would it be expensive, but it's the talking about operating a system that's obviously new traffic, incredibly old, um, and uh, sort of like sort of a, again like sort of a necessity for so many New Yorkers, like all New Yorkers, um, and uh, it would be very difficult. I assume it's not easy to make the changes that need to happen to remedy what ails the subway system. Um, But uh, it's 2018, you know, and we have, and it it also just does sound like it's a matter, partly at least a matter of not wanting to spend the money. But if you think about the economic impact of the subway and and how essential it is for so many people, particularly people who... uh, can't afford to ride Uber to work every day, or, uh, or people, essentially people who's, who rely on the subway to get them to places they absolutely need to be at. Um, uh, I think just these the sort of escalates sort of the importance of figuring out how uh, New York City can sort of make it happen in terms of uh, making the subway more reliable. Um, I have not yet had a situation. Maybe because, uh, maybe partly because you know, I don't have a hard time where I need to be at work typically. Um, But uh, I've yet to have a situation where delays have caused me incredible
0: or you know dire, put me in a dire circumstance. You literally read my mind. That was my next question. It seems like everybody I know has a, I missed blank, or I was so late for blank because of some stupid subway delay. Um, I've had those. I've had those. Okay, sorry. Oh. So, so, hold uh, on a I second. Uh, <coughs> Excuse me here. I mentioned that partly because, you know, uh, I imagine people do. Yeah, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to do three things. Subway. <coughs> where the subway fails that <laughs> Yeah, so, all right, here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to do three things here. You're going to tell your best subway fail story momentarily. Then we're going to move to either, however you want to look at this, a hot take or first thought for all the places you've been this year. So just keep the second thought in mind. And then the third thought's going to be, um, should Eli Manning retire and should the Mets trade Noah Syndergaard? So that's the third thing we're going to do here. So, all
1: right. so.
0: So you can think about the second while talking about the first. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll get you multitasking here. Um, Your worst Subway fail story.
1: My worst Subway fail story.
0: And you can curse on this podcast, so feel free if it was really bad to use curse words.
1: Okay, oh, cool. My worst, is it something something where I failed?
0: Uh, or like just, L- you know, like you were waiting for somebody and they were late, however you want to look at it. Just take it however you want. Noah, this is your time. Run with it.
1: Yeah. Um, I You know, I've, uh, you know, there have been situations at the L train where, really on the L train where, you know, I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with the platform, but it's, I guess it's like any other platform, but uh, the tra- on the L train platform, the the, uh, the Brooklyn-bound where the, the the train that goes deeper into Brooklyn and the train that goes into Manhattan, um, they both meet on the same platform, whereas on, you know, on some, on a lot of subway lines you're talking about uh, uptown and downtown being on separate platforms. Right. Um, I've had several situations where I've been, you know, borderline falling over the other side of the platform uh, in a sea of human beings um, trying to that might get on the subway to get to another subway to get to work. So Isn't uh, that the weirdest feeling in, in the world, world like y- people. So I don't know how I live in New York City. Um but uh it was uh but you know, several of those situations, you know. I've been in a sea of humans uh on the subway. Um that uh you know I I get I like I mentioned more claustrophobic. Uh never pleasant being the sea of human beings. Um, like, sardines just, uh, trying to move around on the subway, never pleasant. Um, yeah, I can't think of a story right off the top of my head that's, like, particularly sure I have one, and if I think of it, uh, through the rest of this podcast, maybe I'll share it.
0: Isn't that the weirdest feeling in the world, though? Like, okay... Boarding a subway when there's nobody on the tracks is easy. You you just take a step and you're on the train. But when you're being pushed, it's like you don't know what's going to happen to you. It is the oddest. It's like your fate of where your legs and your body goes is out of your control.
1: Yeah,
0: it's the worst. It is Uh, just the weirdest thing ever. I've had this happen to me and I try to grab onto something immediately Because I know that at any time a train could start moving. So if I get pushed on, I'm obviously past the doors, but who knows how how soon the doors are going to shut. So my goal is to grab onto one of the bars immediately and then reassess if there's seats or whatever. And you can't do that when you're being pushed and your fate's being determined by people behind you or in front of you.
1: Or to the side of you. Uncomfortable and brutal. Yes. I think uh, there's... uh, there are a few things I enjoy less than being on a over like a a, a, a super crowded subway. Thankfully, the L you know it takes me at least for now it takes me uh, <laughs> to uh, I'm on I'm on the L for very long, and it's a great train in that it goes it takes you across Manhattan to any other line. So um, it will be missed, but I'm moving to Fort Green, where there are ample train options.
0: Uh, Fort Green is a wonderful. Uh, place just in general there was uh I was. why was i looking at fort green lately oh they have either outside or inside mini golf that's what had me looking at, 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 at Fort yeah, green yeah uh, it's probably near yeah
1: i can imagine which right by the barclays center
0: yes um for those who are not from this area the uh new york city subway system suffered a lot of damage during sandy and they basically did patchwork work to get it back up and running after sandy they now need to do more whole, more uh, substantial work to fully fix it, and it's leading to a shutdown of a train that is used by many, many, many people to go from Brooklyn to Manhattan and, and back and forth. So um, that's what Noah is talking about. All right, let's run through this, Noah. First thought or hot take, however you want to look at this, and I'm just going to run through these, and I'm not going to tell you what the order is going to be. So you're just going to have to just, you know, whatever you went to peru now first of all just explain to the folks why you went to peru in the first place
1: I just uh, so i went with my cousin who i had not traveled with ever actually um, we discussed going to peru peru is near sort of the top of the places i would wanted to go to um i wanted to you know obviously pick the Machu Picchu. Um, i heard i heard really great things about cusco um
0: and uh, you know, I wanted to check it out. Um, All right, so, hot take, first thought on Peru. Uh,
1: when you go to Peru, make it's not a hot take more of a, a advice. Okay, uh, not prepared for the altitude, and the uh, maybe this is maybe it's only because I don't go many places under twelve thousand feet above sea <laughs> level. Um, but, like, Cusco in particular also is a very much a walking city. Um, and it's uphill. So there are lots of stairs. So prepare yourself. Uh, it is. Uh, now, I feel like I'm young and able bodied. Um, walking upstairs was a struggle. Um, uh, it, it, it is difficult to. It's, and it affects you in ways that are uh, surprising. Like, it's not like I was necessarily. I, like, I wasn't out of breath as I was walking upstairs, but I, but, you know, I'd, I'd literally just
0: walk upstairs and run or anything. I'd get to the top and just be completely exhausted. Um, I had the same feeling in Aruba. Um, I'm not sure if you've ever been to Aruba, but uh, I was there in, 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 in November, and it was hot, and it was humid, and it was heat index 94 during the day, heat index 88 at night, and it never stopped. And you literally had to pace yourself. Um, especially if you're not from that area or came out of weather, AKA here in, in the swamps of Jersey, that, um, what that is not of that, um, uh, that is not of that weather, uh, uh, pattern because it just hits you. It just hits you and you've got to adjust immediately to that heat or else you're going to have problems. Um. So staying hydrated became our number one theme every single day, especially when you've got kids with you.
1: It you know, um, all comes down to staying hydrated, Jeremy. Yes. Like, uh, it, was the same thing in, it was the same thing in Cusco. I think uh, it doesn't necessarily help you, uh, and I, it doesn't help you breathe better, but just staying, uh, just keeping your body functioning in tip-top shape, I think is important.
0: Austin, You're Texas. Uh, Austin, uh
1: Okay, I, so I went to an amazing. I went to a truly amazing barbecue place uh, just outside of Austin. People who are familiar with Austin have probably heard of it, the Salt Lake. Uh, you yes. Get to go to Franklin's because uh, that line was too. I wasn't interested in waking up at five in the morning. But Salt Lake is in Driftwood, which is you know maybe like twenty or thirty minutes outside of Austin. Um, and the experience was unbelievable. It's this huge space. It looks like a. you imagine a traditional Texas barbecue would look like, they have this one like, it's like spinning, large pig at the front door, just like surrounded by sausages. If you're a meat lover like myself, it's magical. Um, I do have a hot take though. So the food, and the food was amazing. Um, I'm sure, you know, I've I've had Texas style barbecue, and Carolina style barbecue, and you know, Tennessee style barbecue, Kansas style barbecue, all of those different things. Barbecue, I mean, some people prepare it differently. Um, there's slight nuances in terms of how those different cuisines prepare their barbecue. Um, But in America, can I just say that, (laughs) um, the barbecue I've had in New York in places like Feta in Williamsburg, um, or Hometown in Red Hook. it, it definitely holds, it's definitely as good to me. I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, it's not a, it's, I've, you know, uh, maybe I'm, maybe I don't have as discerning a palate as I thought, um, but, uh, I love Feta like, for example, which is right down the road from where I live now, and Hometown's great, too, and I've been to, you know, I've been to many, many barbecue places here in New York, and They're all really great too, I don't think it's like, uh, I don't think the disparity, I guess what I'm saying, is, here's my hot take, encapsulated, the disparity between pizza in New York and pizza in different places is not the same as the disparity between like Texas barbecue and barbecue in New York, just to say that New York has great cuisine and uh, what you do, what you specialize in,
0: we've imported and done just as well. Hot take. That that is well said. No, that, that 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 is a well said hot take. Italy, Italy. Um, my favorite word of the
1: English language is or excuse me the English language. In the Italian language is prego. It's very versatile. Um, they use it for every salutation. They use it for every uh, every greeting. Every like everything. And I I love the word. I think it's uh, I think it's I think uh, a word that is that. And versatile and that is, can be used in so many places. Can't be right. Spain. Spain. Um,
0: well, huh? Spain. What, what was that? Barcelona is one of the only other cities in the world that I fit to that I would live in. Hmm. It speaks it's volumes. To- yeah, it speaks. What 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 was it about it that that made you say yeah I want to live here?
1: It's very vibrant. Uh, it's not like they it's uh, very it was very active at all hours. Um, it's beautiful. Um, I just love the energy for sure.
0: You guys eat dinner late, so that would kind of fit you with that you know Spanish lifestyle. I also
1: love siesta for sure. Yes, <laughs> yes,
0: they love their long late dinners. Um, and that leaves us with Dallas.
1: Uh, I feel like we're waiting for the hottest take at uh, uh, the Cowboys. Um, <laughs> I guess it's not a hot take. Um, uh, Dallas was surprisingly fun. Um, Dallas is a We went to, we went. Uh, I, I had always dreamed of going to the Six Ford Museum, um, and uh, so we did that. Um, downtown is really fun. Deep Ellum, we went to, had a bunch of really cool bars, and it has, you know, Texas flair, like the boots and the cowboy hats, and, uh, we went to, we went Square Dancing just outside of town one night. Um, it was, uh, you know, I went bowl, I rode a bull. Um, it was, uh, you know, uh, Dallas, you know, I, I was ready to, you know, think of Dallas. Everyone told me Dallas was an industrial park. Um, and I see that a little bit, but, um, but I enjoyed
0: Dallas. Yeah. Dallas was great. All right. There you go. Those are your
1: travel hot
0: takes from Noah Portes taken.
1: All right. Okay. I hope I didn't hurt, offend anyone.
0: No, I, I don't think you did. Um, should Eli Manning come back next year as the Giants' starting quarterback? Uh, well, <laughs> so the,
1: my answer by default is no. Um, I think Eli's been a below-average quarterback, um, despite numbers that sort of the numbers the numbers that sort of indicate that um, you know he's got a high whopping yards per attempt. He's got one of the highest completion percentages of his career. He's got a good rating. Um, uh, I don't. I you know I think those numbers sort of belie how he's actually performed. He's. Um, I hate to be the guy to look at the. This is, this is, this would. Be proven by numbers, but it seems like he's overly reliant on pros underneath, particularly the Saquon Barkley, who's obviously capable of uh, inflating Eli's numbers with his performance after the catch, um, and also relying on guys like Odell Beckham. Um, uh, but the problem, I guess, is that the other, the alternative, I think the Giants seem to be focused on the fact that their window with guys like, Sa- I, you know, Saquon obviously a rookie, he's got plenty of years, hopefully, of his of dominance to come. But you think about guys like Odell oh, no, Beckham 26 is not like, he's, uh, he's 26 or 27, something like that, you know, he's not, He still got plenty of pride left, but um, in order to maximize their window, I don't think Eli maximizes the window of those guys, um, for those guys, and you know, the problem I guess is that there aren't really many compelling options. Some of the draft class is ideal for quarterbacks. Um, uh, who are the free agent options going to be that are interesting? I mean, um, you know, I would be drunk for Colin Kaepernick. Um, not as like a, not like, I wouldn't beat the drum to hand him the job, but to like see what he's got. He was a starting quarterback not so long ago. Um, who else is going to be a free agent, though? I mean, you, you, think, you think guys like Jameis Winston may be available, but obviously with with things he's done, I don't know if he, I, I, I mean, I don't know if I'd want to employ him A, then B, um, even if I was willing to look past his, his transgressions, I don't know if New Yorkers generally would be a, would, be willing to. I don't know if that would work out. Um, we've talked about a bunch of other news. I got David Carr, bit me, I got David Carr, his brother. David Carr may be available. He'd um, be compelling, uh, but I think all the all the guys that will be available um, in free agency come with very serious reservation. I don't know, do you have any, who else is going to be available? Do you know anyone
0: up I don't have that list off the top of my head. Here's what I would say, though. Um,
1: and those guys aren't even, guys like Derek Carr aren't free agents. There, either they have to be cut or you have to trade. Trade, right? yeah. And what are you giving up for a guy like that? Probably not so much, but um, Here's, you know, Joe Flacco would be no better than Eli Manning and he'll probably be available.
0: Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, here's my take on that, Noah. As a Jet fan who's gone through about 86 quarterbacks in the last you know, 15 years, sometimes you have to um, realize that a transitional process is the best. And for me, it's not who is in front of or available for Eli, it's who's behind Eli. Right now, Kyle Laletta is clearly not the successor. Um, so it becomes, who, who can they put there that Eli can transition off to? Because I think Eli's going to realize soon that he's headed towards the end of his leash. And I think that's the... Yeah,
1: I want to know, too, that like, people who beat the drum for uh, Kyle Lalletta to get reps, I don't know, that's... Kyle Lalletta, the Giants never thought that guy was really... The... Um, I mean, people talk about, oh, see what he has. Sure, it's neither here nor there. I'm fine with Eli playing out the string for well, now one more week. Um, but go ahead, I'm sorry. I wasn't no,
0: it's okay. No, I, I was basically done with my point that just you have to realize sometimes that what you have is great, and if you can build around that and, and figure out a way to make it work. Um, you can you can survive another year or two with Eli and see who's out there, especially because the Oregon quarterback whose name escapes me at the moment, who was supposed to be the number one quarterback prospect, has decided to go back to school. So this may be another year of bulking up the offensive line and putting more pieces around Eli and letting Saquon and Odell and and Sterling and all those other guys, you know, use that to their advantage. It may be that is the best option versus um, going out and getting somebody who is either equal to or subpar of what Eli is. Well,
1: you know, as a part of the problem here, I, like it's it's hard to weigh how much of Eli's clearly diminished willingness to go down the field and throw past twenty yards is uh, is a product of Eli's diminished skill set, or is a product of the coaching and the mentality of the organization. I think Shermer. Uh, was a fine but unimaginative hire. I think Gettleman was just, frankly, an atrocious hire. Like that guy talking about, in the offseason, talking about how you want to go back to, oh, ground and pound offense that's just not how NFL offenses work anymore. And, um, and that's not, like, um, offenses have clearly innovated beyond the, like, power running offense. Um, and, you know, it's still debatable whether Saquon, especially with guys like Darnold, who I'm sure as you've seen, guys like Darnold and Mayfield, who look really no, I, I think Saquon is unbelievable. Yeah.
0: Saquon's maybe the best running back I've ever seen. But it's not like I mean that seriously. Like in terms of no, uh, he's he's insane. He's he's incredible. But um, it's the deba- big. It's you know, it's
1: still debatable whether the Giants would have been best served by by uh, drafting Saquon versus drafting one of. Uh, what looks like really fantastic, particularly Darnold, and uh, I've been very impressed with the last couple of weeks. Um, Mayfield, obviously, um, with Giants, better serve by drafting the best player at the best position um, or at the most important position and sort of get their quarterback of the future, um, especially when they, have, they already have you know, sort of dynamic weapons on offense. Um, but the Giants have other problems too, you know? Yeah,
0: Teddy Bridgewater, Tyrod Taylor, and, um, and Nick Foles. Nick Foles is the only guy I would say to, to say yes to in free agency after the season over Eli. I know everyone's having fun with this Nick Foles
1: renaissance again, um, but um, I don't, uh, I don't, I'm don't. I not picking up
0: what they're putting down. <laughs> would you trade Noah Syndergaard for anybody?
1: Anybody? <laughs> no, Anybody? W- what is your
0: threshold for a trading Thor? Because I, and, and I'm a Yankee fan, I have no bone in this pick, even though the Yankees have been rumored as a team that, would, that would be interested in, in Noah, though that has changed after some free agent signings. Um, I just don't see, you've got a great... Core pitching staff. There, you don't need to get ten thousand great hitters. You just need a, a couple more offensive additions, um, and, and a willingness from from the Wilpons to spend money. So for me, it's just you know keep Thor. Figure out a way to just build smartly, and then go from there. I can't. I couldn't be more Jeremy. I think. Um, I think that uh,
1: fans fans who sit in... Mets fans who talk about oh, uh, I think Mets fans quietly sometimes are too forgiving to the Wilpons, believe it or not. Um, we shouldn't be sitting here thinking about what the best value is for Noah Syndergaard. The Mets should keep Noah Syndergaard and then pay whoever they need to pay. Get a, I mean, frankly, the Mets and Ming Chavo are a perfect fit. Yep. Uh, the Mets need a third baseman. Uh, Todd Frazier's not cutting it. Danny uh-huh. Machado ideally plays third base. He is a below average shortstop and is a competent person. Uh, the Mets could use a bat, obviously, like Machado's. The Mets should just spend the money and get Machado. But the willingness of the Wilpons to spend that money uh, isn't there. Um, so the Mets, the Mets try to maximize Noah Sintzgar's value is uh, it's not really the approach. I mean, Noah, you're never going to get equal value for Noah Syndergaard, nope. especially when you consider the fact that he's got you know three years in control left. He is twenty something. He's like 26, 27 years old. Um, he uh, and, and you know, I for for something like Noah Syndergaard, I also consider the sort of intangible thing. Like it seems like he really loves playing for the Mets. Um. He's sort of, he's sort of become a, like, he's not the face of the team, especially, he's probably not the face of the team, especially because his rotation may just want up. Um, but um, he is, you're never going to get the value you want for Noah Syndergaard. And you're never, you're not going to, like, you know, Noah Syndergaard to a Mets fan, it feels like you should be able to get a, you know, you should be able to get a major league-ready, all-star level balance, um, or it's like a high-end, like a prospect in the mold of Vladimir Jr. or Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, you're not going to get that. Nobody's going to trade that prospect. It's not. It's frankly, it's not equal value at that point. How much are you improving the team by trading Noah Syndergaard? How much are you improving the major league roster when you made it pretty clear that you, you want to win now? Um, and that your window's closing with all, with, you know, the rotation in particular, um, those guys are young, but, you know, they're not going to get any younger. You're clearly not going to sign all those guys. I don't know if that's clear. Um, Yeah, but they're not going to give big contracts to guys. And, you know, to be fair, it may may work out. It's probably, it's likely that it works out that those guys aren't really, all those guys aren't really worthy of big contracts because, you know, pitch is volatile and uh, but, um, the, so to answer your question, there is, the, uh, give me my crowd like, I don't know, I would, I, like, I wouldn't trade those in the guard and I hate to excuse the bonds for not spending money, they need, they, they the fact that the Mets are not in on Machado is uh, a disgrace, not a disgrace, but just a, sort of a repeated pattern, it's a disgrace, but I should not be surprised, but I'm not surprised. But, um, the Mets should be, in a, should be throwing money at Machado. It, it, he is the perfect of perfect fits and they have expressed a desire to win now. Um, I couldn't think of a better way. He's 26 years old and he's an opt-out. He's going to get a contract with opt-out for four years anyway or whatever. And, um, you know, I think that Machado is the perfect fit to the Mets and they should sign a check to him. Um, and we shouldn't excuse the low bonds for not spending that money. Instead, to maybe if they trade maybe their most valuable asset um, in no in regard. I, I can't think, like, in ter- if you think about the age, you know, cost control, um, skill, uh, I don't think there's anyone more valuable than single guard and they need to do be thinking about how to incorporate it better. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I hope they don't say it. and I don't think they will I think it's gotten kind of to the point where it's fair obviously they don't intend to, to trade him and hopefully they spend some money and uh, get a bat um, but I'm excited but you know all this also I hope you don't mind if I keep talking um, are you still with me?
0: yes I yes this is a wonderful way to rest your voice on a Saturday morning
1: <laughs> I know right especially after uh, I, you know having a crazy week in Dallas yes um,
0: no keep going you're doing great
1: No, 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 I think the, uh, I, I, you know, I, I was, I was, uh, hesitant about the Cano deal, um, I, uh, I, you know, bring in a guy who, uh, at that cost to block up second base and sort of take the job for the Deal wasn't too exciting, but, you know, Cano was on these for 6 more last year, um, and he is still a competent second baseman, um, and uh, if you're in a win-now mode, sure. And they got Edwin Diaz, who's one of the best young relievers in baseball, um, who's got years of cost control, um, and who was, has been studly for two years um, for the last few years. So I'm very excited to have him. Um, I don't know the Mets were not going overboard and getting, to get Real Muto.
0: sounded like the players that were being thrown around were... were uh, it was too high a
1: cost. Were they worth Real Muto? Sure but uh, I wasn't excited to talk about trading guys like Dingo, or Conforto, or Rosario or a catcher who, you know, I know he's one of the best players in the position, but uh, he's not, he's like, he's a really good bat, um, but he's not like, I don't know, there are better bats available, so I'm glad he didn't overpay for Real Buto. Um, to this point, they haven't overpaid. crew I I guess he's still available. They um, still hasn't left the Um and uh, they're getting valid like Wilson Ramos is more than adequate—a guy who, you know, could he flop short? He had a three hundred last year um, in limited time, um, and yeah, I think they need to sign another bat. Um, but they have options. You know, AJ Pollock is in the But if, if we're just going to let the Pot slide, not. Uh, not throwing all the money at Machado. They do have options. You know, A.J. Pollock's a, you know, he's injury pro, but he's a decent option. I'm um, already forgetting some of the other guys out there, but I know, but they have options in terms of who they could, you know, fill the gap with. Um, gap offensively. Um, yeah, they could use a center fielder. Um, so, yeah, I'm encouraged by what the uh, GM, who I was not, I still will the Met's decision to go in that direction and uh, bring in bring in Brody, the agent. Um, uh, I thought that
0: was, uh, I think there are legal concerns there for a long It was an odd deal, to say the least. It was... It's, it's a very Mets move to bring him in, uh, but
1: I've been impressed so far or at least I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic so far about what he's done to the team specifically and this could all come crashing down and knowing the Mets say we'll
0: go into the season with a 86-win projection and end up winning like 79 or something. Um, but uh, I'm encouraged by what the team has done so far. All right, final thing for our friend Noah Portez-Chakim here on uh, Teeing It Up on this Saturday, December 29th.
1: You had know, get trouble getting me to talk about anything until you got me
0: talking about the Mets. <laughs> it, no, it, no. It, it, I was purposely... It, you you actually hit on radio host uh, secrets here um i was purposely having short top uh, uh, it wasn't that I, I had trouble getting you to speak it was you were actually speaking fine it was the questions that led to shortest answers and then a and then i asked a really open ended question that led to a very long answer okay, so that was all by design i don't want to
1: i one day i'll be use a radio host, and I'll <laughs> use this trade secret to, uh, to
0: my benefits. Yes, exactly. All right, we've got people all over the world because, you know, we are the most listened to streaming uh, sports show that's named teeing it up with Jeremy Schilling. Um, <laughs> we've got people all over the place that are sitting at home with their streaming musical um, services open. The one song they should listen to to end 2018 is...
1: One song. Um well uh, I'll give you uh, an al- uh, an album has that. Um okay. new album from this year the album of the year. It was also co- only coincidentally Pitchfork's favorite album of the year. Uh, but uh Micky, who went to Purchase College where I uh, attended for like all the fifteen minutes, um uh is a really good alternative rock um musician. Um or indie rock musician I don't even know how to genre her uh, but uh, she writes deeply compelling movie music and uh, is a very talented guitarist as well and you should check her out
0: Noah, thank you for coming on Teeing It Up I'm glad we finally made this work it has been an honor and a pleasure and hope for the first of many even once you leave that wonderful abode with Jordan and Chris
1: Jeremy, thank you so much. It was an honor.
0: Um, And uh, happy new year. Happy new year to you. Happy new year to all of you out there. Uh, And thank you for listening to, to, to this edition of Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling.